It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Now, here's your hosts, Sandy Max and Steve Scafidi. And good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Let's get right to it. We have a great guest, and you've seen his work on CBS. Great reporter. Great reporting. CBS correspondent Scott McFarland joins us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. Good morning. Good to be here, gentlemen. Uh, Sandy's with me as well, so it's Steve and <laughs> Sandy. No problem. Quite all right. Even better. Yes. No, no, it's, better. I was say, Scott, and I know that you've been uh, circling your calendar with all sorts of red dates for the rest of the year. You have <laughs> yeah. been where the action is, finding out the latest on the progress of many of these different cases against former President Donald Trump. What is the latest? A March 4th trial date now set here in Washington, D.C., um, seven months from now, and that date according to the federal judge, is reasonable for the Trump defense team to get themselves ready to equip their defense to go through the evidence and be prepared to face a jury. And what a marker Judge Tanya Chutkin has laid down here in Washington, D.C., because it really doesn't give the Trump team much bandwidth to try to delay. I mean, if they do try to delay, it might be around the edges. Nevertheless, puts them on trial eight months before Election Day. And in a case that is for so many Americans, the predominant one. It's about January 6th. It's Mm -hmm. about the 2020 election, not about an obscure classified record, not about some hush money payment people don't necessarily understand. This one Americans watched on television, and it may rule the day, and it may be first. This is a question I've had throughout all of these indictments, and then as we start scheduling, these days are scheduled for the court appearances. Does the former president have to be in court because I, I can't see how that you could manage a campaign schedule and, and appear in various courtrooms at, at, in what is going to be just a myriad of dates going through next year. That's a really good question. Here's the short answer. The judge here in Washington, D.C. said, I don't care about your schedule. You make the time to be here. This comes first. And she actually built an analogy. She goes, if a superstar athlete were charged with these crimes, I wouldn't wait for the season to end. We do the case when the case is proper. So she said, I don't care about your schedule, figure it out. But to be clear, only some of the court hearings need the defendant attend. He certainly has to be at the trial, um, which means March 4th, he's got to be here. Super Tuesday, March 5th, he's got to be here. He has to be here for jury selection and for the trial itself. But for all the status hearings, pre-trial motions, which are going to clog up this docket and the three others across America, Trump need not be there. And that's Potentially good for him politically, but also quite good for the logistical teams trying to run security at these courthouses. Because I've been at three Trump arraignments, and let me tell you, they shut down city blocks. They shut down the courthouse. They empty out all the other cases. They postpone other business. If Donald Trump enters a courthouse, it has a really big footprint, and him being here sometimes is to the detriment of many who are unrelated to his case. Well, and he's shown so far that he doesn't have to be in attendance and, and even make campaign stops, although I know that he has rallied in the past. And he certainly wasn't here in Milwaukee last week for the presidential primary yeah. debate. And his numbers aren't aren't wavering. So I don't even know that that would affect that. But he, he has other appearances that he'll have to make as soon as next month in Georgia. That's right. He has an arraignment in Georgia a week from tomorrow. He needn't be there in person. He might be there in person. I mean, every time he walks into a courthouse, he can juice the fundraising, can he? Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to have many pre-trial motions to file here in Washington, D.C. We'll do so through his attorneys, but he's going to have the same fight in Florida. He'll do so through his attorneys. Um, it really gets down to brass tacks. 
when the new year begins. And suddenly Donald Trump has to be at these things in person. But you see the poll numbers. You also don't see a whole robust bit of campaigning by Donald Trump. He's not working the fields in Iowa. He's not going door to door in New Hampshire. He doesn't need to. And you probably have some set of Wisconsin numbers which show him lapping the field in the Republican primary. And he hasn't been in Madison. He hasn't been in La Crosse or Green Bay or Milwaukee. He's just doing it via social media posts and via earned media on television, for better or for worse. CBS correspondent Scott McFarland joining us. Scott, winning in a courtroom is different than winning the court of public opinion. Donald Trump, among Republicans, is winning the public opinion side. But yesterday in the courtroom, the judge pushed back against his attorneys, and that's not a good look, especially in the early stages of this case. It really struck me. The tone and tenor in the room yesterday, Trump's defense attorney came out, uh, came in a little hot, (laughs) Uh, particularly loud and boisterous, almost pugnacious with his arguments, um, yelling at times, um, interrupting, interjecting into the judge's remarks at times, which is not necessarily a best practice for attorneys. Um, But she kind of let him punch himself out. And when he was done, she concluded that the trial date of March 4th is appropriate. And I've been watching this judge for years. I've been in her courtroom for dozens of other January 6th hearings. Let me tell you, there's no judge like her in terms of unbridled concern and criticism, outspoken criticism about the fragility of democracy at this moment and concern about everything that happened January 6th and everything that led up to it and what it did to the nation's capital. She is not a um, sympathetic voice for Donald Trump on the bench when she handles other January 6th cases, and now she has his case. This is another one of those big topics when it comes to these various indictments across multiple jurisdictions. Any of these things do you think get moved beyond Fulton County, Georgia? They get moved other places, Washington, D.C., wherever. Could that be part of the story going forward? I guarantee you there will be change of venue motions filed by Donald Trump. He wants this case out of Washington, D.C. badly. Um, This is a jury pool that has convicted 100% of the January 6th defendants who've gone to trial by jury. 100%. It's not a typo. And this judge has shown she has an inclination to move fast. And he's criticized her. Trump has as being biased. So the change of venue motion is imminent. But other January 6th defendants have filed change of venue motions, too. Zero percent of those have succeeded. Also not a typo. So it'll happen, but there's no indication it's going anywhere. Any chance this justice, like like I saw in Fulton County, Georgia, said to this defendant, Donald Trump, you got to hold off on the social media posts. I know that's his bread and butter, and that's where he spends a lot of his time when he's not standing at a rally. Any chance that strict limits on his conduct could be part of this? I haven't seen an explicit order against it. There certainly have been orders that he's not to intimidate or contact witnesses or speak about witnesses, and he's certainly hitting a gray area with his social media posts. But I think he's already paid the price. This judge said she would move the case to the trial earlier if he continued with vitriolic social media statements. The prosecutors yesterday argued we've got to move quickly to trial because he is contaminating the jury pool with his social media posts. And the judge kind of leaned toward the prosecutors, gave them almost exactly what they were asking for. I think that the next escalation could be some type of gag order, but that's a difficult thing to do. He is a candidate for the presidency, and issuing a gag order um, is a very provocative, if not untenable, thing to try. Scott, just one question from one of our listeners and asking if you have an idea how much money you think each of the trials cost and is it a legitimate use to pay legal fees with campaign funds that Trump is raising? 
That second question is too hard for me. (laughs) I I get it. I get it. But I figured you, if anyone, would have at least insight on this, if not the firm answer. Now, I'm glad the listener asked because Mrs. McFarlane asked me the same question last night. (laughs) A bad answer for it. Um, These things do cost money. I mean, you're talking about a six-week trial um, at a minimum. That's how long the prosecutors say they're going to take here in Washington, D.C. And you're talking about an all-star team of prosecutors who are taxpayer-funded. The security footprint here is vast, as I alluded to earlier. Secret Service, U.S. Marshals, Park Police, D.C. Police, they all have to converge here and have a huge footprint. The same is true in Florida. Same is true in New York City. Same is going to be true in Fulton County. We're talking about something that costs millions of dollars. Um, but the criminal justice system is necessarily taxpayer-funded. It always has been, and to a degree, always will be. One of the best at what he does, CBS correspondent Scott McFarland. Thanks for taking the time. And Sandy, really glad you're there today. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Take good care. Anytime. All right. That, I, I love the information there. This is a guy that's on the front lines. He's on CBS Evening News and, and all the CBS The Morning Show. Uh, he's around us. And the history there. He has been in front of this judge or watching this judge in the other cases. That's one of the reasons we brought him on the show. I'm fascinated by all of this stuff. Love to hear what you have to say. We have four cases, four indictments kind of happening at the same time all throughout the next year or more. (laughs) In case of uh, some of these cases, even irregardless of the election, they may continue beyond that. Obviously, the election has something to say about that because... We could be talking about a current president, not a former president. Just curious what you thought about what the uh, correspondent said, uh, Scott McFarland said, and the legal troubles for the former president. This is big stuff. It's not manufactured. It's not made up, my opinion. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We spent a little bit of time in this half hour talking about what Scott just said. Again, one of the best in the business at doing what he does, reporting on these important stories Another one of the reasons we brought him on the show. Stephen Sandy, WTMJ Now.